1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Impact Theory. I am here with Rich DeVinny, who is an extraordinary former Navy SEAL commander and author of an incredible new book called The Attributes, The 25 Hidden Secrets, Drivers, 25 Hidden Drivers of Optimal Performance. I knew I'd get there in the end, Rich.
0: Yes. Yes. Drivers. That's uh, but secrets is good too. But uh.
1: dude, the, the whole concept behind the book is really incredible. I'm obsessed with, I would have before reading your book, of course, said peak performance. I love the shift that you make to optimal performance. We'll certainly get into that. But one of the attributes that you talk about in the book, um, that I found really interesting that compelled you um, as part of the the cocktail of your own brain to want to be a Navy SEAL, which was narcissism in your own words, by the way, I'm not calling you that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you talk about how some of these attributes um, may have a negative connotation, but can actually be pretty powerful. Talk to me about what it means to want to be a badass.
0: Yeah. So, so it's funny because in in researching these attributes, I had to do in in conjunction with you know actual research, I had to do some self reflection because I really had to ask myself what uh, what drove me, especially on the driver uh, attributes, and and um, and ultimately when I thought about the reasons why I became a an Navy Seal, and I and I. And you ask my friends the same question, and of course we're patriots. And Of course we love our country, and we want to we want to go do good work. But but you know it was it was largely because you know you're young and you want to be part of a of a group that is elite, and you want to try something that very few people get to try, and very few people make it through. Um, and it's just that challenge. It's you know can you throw yourself into the challenge? So I think I think we in, in, when it come when it came to kind of thinking about narcissism it was this idea that we all as human beings want to, at some point, feel special, feel noticed, be loved, be recognized. And this starts when we're infants. I mean, when we're infants getting paid attention to by our parents, we're getting bursts of dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin. Those are very powerful chemicals and that's why it feels good. And that translates to when we're adults and we get paid attention to. So, uh, so this is a natural feeling to want to stand out. Um, and it can but be an incredible- That's pretty drive. different
1: though than wanting to be a badass, fantasizing about being James Bond, getting yourself wet and sandy on a beach, staying, getting three hours of sleep over five days. I mean, what you ended up putting yourself through to become a Navy SEAL is insane. Uh, And I'm – one of the things I find so interesting about SEALs and if I were to make a short list of the types of people that I would like to corner at a dinner party, uh, (laughs) I'll put SEALs up there because, man, to be prepared to kill, to face gunfire or even just insanely dangerous situations in the ocean, it takes a certain kind of person. And so when you openly talk about in the book – I wanted to be a badass. I wanted to test myself. That resonated yeah. with me a lot. Um, is that something because I feel like there's a a cultural swing away
0: from openly saying something like I want to be a badass yeah yeah <clears throat> well um I think you're right there 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 might be a cultural swing i, I, I but I just don't think it's i think as human beings uh whether you' whether you're uh, a guy or a girl i we all want to kind of um, do something that's really cool and special. And I think, um, and I think whatever the pathway to that is, you know, awesome, you know, it could be athlete, it could be a badass surgeon, it could be a badass teacher, it could be, uh, you know, um, you know, obviously a badass spec operator, but, um, but in my case, it was, you know, this idea when I learned about the seals that these guys seemed to do, everything in every environment and especially kind of from the water and why, you know, I grew up in Connecticut right on the water and I was a water rat since I was a kid. I mean, I, you know, we would go to the beach and I'd spend the entire day in the water. You couldn't get me out. My brothers as well. And so, uh, so this idea that, you know, the water and the ocean, which is a very hostile environment, you know, you know, uh, bone crushing, uh, pressures, you know, chilling temperatures, you know, uh, obviously can't breathe under there, but the fact that they made these, this environment, their home, I mean, the, the, mantra of the seals, uh, is and st- you know was and still is that you know always you know when in doubt head to the water because because the enemy will never be brave enough or stupid enough to follow you there right so and the fact that this you you the audacity of making this this hostile environment your your safe haven really kind of appealed to me on on kind of I guess a elemental level so so you know my badass you know my badass desires were were, were happened to be spec ops but I would I would say that you know everybody kind of has their version of badass and and gosh I. I really respect anybody who who pursues that path, whatever whatever badassery they they're pursuing. You know, that is incredibly kind to people like me,
1: whose uh, badassery is a lot safer than yours. Um, but I really, I'm, I'm super interested in the nitty gritty of testing oneself. So, because I grew up soft, and my journey, really, truly, unfortunately, um, my journey to become an entrepreneur was learning to toughen up. And that was the big, you talk about attributes. That Mm -hmm. was a big thing for me. I did not have grit and I had to develop grit. And it ended up unlocking things for me that I never could have imagined. And so when I now think about, okay, my meaning and purpose in life is to help other people unlock doors in their own lives, how do you end up doing that? And some of the real answers are – I don't know. Maybe they make people uncomfortable or whatever. But one of them is you have to toughen the fuck up. And um, when I think about the way that BUDS, um, the the sort of proving ground for those who want to become Navy SEALs, weeds out people that lack certain attributes Mm – I become very interested in people that want to push through to that. So there's a great book called The Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell, and he talks about how one of the biggest problems in modern society is there is no coming of age ritual. And it used to be like if you've read Long Walk to Freedom by Nelson Mandela, he talks about his coming of age ritual where they stripped him naked with like four or five other guys at 14 or something, put him buck naked in front of the entire tribe. And then one of the high ranking men in the tribe comes up with a sharp ass rock pull his foreskin, they just cut it off. And no anesthetic, nothing. You have to do like this warrior cry, and it sounds barbaric, and I get it, man, and I'm glad I didn't go through it, and I would never put my kids through it. But I also worry that not putting people through things like that, that make them dig deep and become aware of latent attributes, or realize, yo, here is an attribute, like in my case, I am weak, I am soft, and I need to do something about that. What do you think about that? Like you have
0: kids. Do you think at all about testing them, pushing them? Yes. So, uh, so, first of all, I would have rather done SEAL training three times than done that ritual you just described, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so, good on, you know, probably why Nelson Mandela is such a, was such a badass himself. Um, you know, it's it's a really good question. I think this it be, it comes down to the subjectivity of, of challenge. I mean, it's it really ultimately challenge. How are you challenging yourself? And I think, you know, SEAL training is certainly an, an extreme version of that. But, um, you know, when I think about my kids who are, you know you know, teenagers now, Um, I think I've always thought in terms of allowing them to find their own challenges. Now, sometimes that happens a little bit more naturally. You know, some kids are more predisposed to go and seek challenges and kind of, you know, kind of break through them than others. Um, And I see that difference sometimes in my own kids. Um, And so I think uh, it was one of the reasons why I wanted to break kind of grit down until it into its elemental factors you know and in the book you know as you know I've broken grit down into four attributes uh, because everybody kind of always talked about grit as an attribute and I just it didn't make sense to me that it was an attribute on its own and of course Angela Duckworth wrote a great book called grit and she says kind of the same thing it's not it's not just one thing and so so when you look at the four attributes and I break it down to courage perseverance adaptability and resilience um it's really kind of the the reason why I wanted to do that was try, try to help people Look at those four elements and those four attributes, and understand that they can practice each one of those uh, separately if they want to, together if you want the whole, you know, if you want the whole thing. Um, but even practicing them separately helps with grit. And the good news is, and I would imagine this is the case for you if you really thought about it, um, most people aren't low on all four of those. You know, you can actually probably pick one or two that you're actually pretty good on, and you may have to say, well, I need to work on or develop. A couple, you know, uh, to maybe two of them, right? That that really helps that task. It helps someone say, you know, what I'm not I'm not as bad off as I might be. But you know, human beings are gritty. I mean, we are, you know, just just the, the idea of us going from cave dwellers to space explorers proves that we are. Um, and and a lot of times we're thrown into challenges we don't expect, and we find that grit. Um, but I would offer, if you are in a position where you have not explored your grit and you want to, or you are in a position you know, where you have kids that you're, you're concerned that they may not be. Um, I would, I would, I would, I would come at it from those four attributes. You know, how can you practice courage? How can you practice adaptability? How can you practice perseverance? How can you practice um, resilience? <clears throat> Here's the great news for all of us, Tom, is that we just came out of a year where all of us practice that, <laughs> you know, because I talk about this, you know, SEAL training is, <clears throat> Incredibly tough. The way so you go through seal training, and when, the way you quit seal training is you ring the bell. You have to ring the bell three times if you want to quit. Um, and of course, you know a lot of guys too. It, you, know, you know, it's usually about an eighty-five to ninety percent attrition rate. So, for example, my class back twenty-plus years ago, we started with about one hundred and sixty odd candidates, and we graduated thirty-eight. That's that's kind of normal numbers. Um, the difference between 2020 and SEAL training is that none of us volunteered to be in 2020. <laughs> we, we were all thrown into it. And none of us had a, a bell that we could ring to get out of 2020. So so we all actually explored our grit uh, through 2020. And I think I would challenge anybody to look back at their uh, at their their past, their upbringing, their experiences, their, what I call their antagonists. okay, We all have antagonists in our lives, and our antagonist't doesn't, doesn't have to be a person. It can be an event, a situation, an illness, uh, um, anything, anything that hits us. But honoring our antagonists is a form of grit. If we look back and say, hey, how did I actually get through that? And understand what those things were that allowed me, to march through that challenging experience and, and, and those challenging experiences, you know, and, and, and then grow from it because I I would, I would say most of us have a story that we can look back and say, you know what? That was a, it was a horrible time. I would never want to do it again, but I'm glad it happened because I learned this. I met this person, something happened, right? That's an example of resilience. That's an example of anti-fragility. That's an example of grit. That's an example of someone executing grit to go through a, a tough situation. so, so, really fast uh, so I, don't
1: don't you worry that the vast majority of people in 2020 for instance they didn't have a bell to ring to get out but they didn't do anything to make it a training exercise
0: well okay so yes but but sometimes grit and this is, here's the thing about grit sometimes grit is not uh excelling sometimes grit is not hyper performing sometimes grit is simply just taking step by step, and you know, we talk about. You know, people always said you, you seals you're the toughest people on the planet, but yeah, and I agree. You know, obviously seals have a tough <laughs> grit, right? Uh, not not on the planet, we're certainly tough. But I mean, look at the look at the people struggling through cancer. You know, look at the people struggling through poverty. I mean, there are people out there who are very gritty, who have, um, you know, in, in in some cases, way more. Toughness or mental toughness than any special operator, um, and it's because their environment has has thrown that and thro- thrown that at them, right? So, um, so, so this is where we get into kind of peak and optimal performance. You know, everybody kind of thinks about performance as, hey, I want to do my best, I want to, I want to kind of peak, I want to kind of be in that flow state, and that's great. But sometimes performance is not anywhere near peak, and this is kind of how. Uh, you know, I I started thinking about this. When I was in hell week uh, in my own SEAL training and sitting in the surf zone freezing, right, there was nothing peak about my performance. I was performing optimally. Optimal performance is different. Optimal performance is how can I do the very best I can in the moment? Sometimes that best looks like peak. It's flow states, it's excelling, it's growing, it's training, right? Sometimes that that best is simply I'm just head down and I'm taking step by step. I'm, I'm living minute to minute just to get through this. There's when nothing wrong with When
1: you're doing that, how do you – because I love what you're saying and that, that gives a lot of hope to somebody who right now is just sort of stumbling forward. Yeah. But now how do you turn that stumble forward into I'm going to be better next time. I'm going to have a deeper well of resilience or whatever yeah. attribute you know, going forward that's
0: going to serve them. Yeah. Well, the first thing, the, 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 number one thing is that afterwards one must recover. All right. So, so recovery is a huge part of this process. Any type of challenge stress, uh, whether it's, whether it's in the gym and we're lifting weights or whether it's thrown at you because you have a disease like COVID or it's a bad financial year. Um, there has to be a recovery period. Our, our bodies have to be able to um, recover and kind of, kind of, rest from that period um, and then there has to be a reflection there has to be a looking back and saying hey okay what did I learn and so so one of the concepts I talk about all the time is this idea of, of asking questions okay we are as human beings question answering machines you know our brains are wired that way so our brains are constantly asking questions about our environment usually unconsciously right um, you know that's bouncing off our hippocampus we're, we're kind of we're kind of uh, comparing things we've seen before that's usually a process we don't even think about when we um, consciously take, take charge of that process and lodge a question into our forebrain, our brain immediately begins coming up with answers, okay? So I do this, I do this uh, drill when I teach classes, some classes and I talk about this concept. I, I say, hey, write down this question. Um, how can I double my income in the next six months, right? And I give them 30 seconds. I say, in 30 seconds, write down every single thing that pops into your head, okay? And they write down for 30 seconds. Usually they come up with a list of maybe six or seven things. Um, and then I say, hey, listen, how many answers did you come up with? And really, that's the point of the drill. And they usually come up with that, you know, a list. And I say, you know, the reason why you came up with those answers is because you lodged a question to your brain. Now, some of those answers were ridiculous. You know, um, you know, selling a kidney is not a good idea. Winning the lottery is probably not going to happen. Um, but some of those answers start to be practical. And if you do this enough, your your brain is going to start coming up with answers. Now, what most people do um, without thinking about it is they ask themselves the wrong questions. They say, why am I so bad at this? Why does this stuff always happen to me? Um, you know why are they out to get me? Okay. As soon as you ask that question, as soon as you lodge that question into your forebrain, your brain starts to answer it, right? And those are disempowering answers. the The trick is, the tool here is to reverse the process, right? Change those questions into something that's actually empowering. How How can I grow? Right? Um, how did I grow from this? You know, what did I do right? What did I learn from this? You know, how am I better than I was before? You lodge those questions in your forebrain, your brain will begin to come up with answers. And the trick is to do that and keep on and, and and once you get that initial list, just say, Okay, what else? What else? And that's how you start creating a empowering mindset and that's how you start recovering and becoming and, and growing from a from an experience like that. Okay that's really interesting to me. In the book you talk
1: a lot about the difference between skills and attributes. Skills basically anything that I can train you to do is a skill. Anything that's sort of innate or born is going to fall into the attribute category. But what you were just talking about is how we really can still mold our attributes as well. Um I think it's a deadly simple formula to begin to shape what I call your frame of reference, but basically you're getting there by molding some of these attributes. Mm-hmm. And it's frame of reference. It's what you just said. It's repeating a new story about that thing. It's focusing your energy on not, okay, let's say I did 99 things wrong, but I did one thing right. It's instead of asking to do the list of the 99 things that you got wrong, you hone in on the one that you got right. Do you have an official training program that you work with companies to help develop people's
0: attributes? Well, so yes, I've developed a program where I help uh, companies and teams first figure out their attributes. So, step number one is figure out the attributes. Now, I would say if we're talking at an individual level, Um, we all have all of the attributes, uh, the difference in each one of us is how much of each attribute we have, right? So, so you say, if you say you're on a level of one to 10, where one is low and 10 is high, you say you're a level, say four or five on courage, and I might be a level seven on courage, right? There's, and there's no judgment there. It's really just how we show up. Okay, so, so as an individual, it's, okay, what, wh- where do I stand on my attributes? When we start talking about businesses and teams, it becomes much more contextual because the, the list of attributes required for a SEAL team, for example, is going to be li- different than the list of attributes required for a, an HR team or a sales team or a group of nurses, right? So, so step one is figure out what attributes are, you need for that team. Um, and then step two is say, okay, what are our gaps? You know which attributes do we place in high importance, and which ones which of those ones do we do we need, and which ones do we need to to develop, right? So uh, so that's that's step number one. And then if you want to develop, so then th- obviously that gives you a great opportunity to hire specifically for those attributes which is a great thing to do um and then you also can develop it. you could put yourself into situations create environments where you, you kind of train and develop those um, training and develop an attribute can't be done the same way as a skill um, it's going to take self-direction it's going to take se- uh, self-motivation and it's going to take a deliberate step into discomfort because you're going to you're going to have to step into a zone where you're 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 kind of um wired not to go. If someone wants to develop their patience, for example, because they're impatient, they're going to have to um, place themselves deliberately into situations that test and develop their patience. It's going to have to be a conscious effort. So, So developing attributes takes work, and it has to be Um, self-directed, you know, I can't like a skill. I could, you know, I could sit down and teach you, Tom, how to shoot, right? Shooting's a skill. I could teach you how to shoot and hit a bullseye within probably a half day. Okay. That's a skill. I can't sit down and teach you courage, or I can't sit down and teach you adaptability. That's something you have to decide. I want to learn and then throw yourself deliberately into those environments.
1: Because the process
0: is like what you outlined, it's exposure and reframing. And that's why it can't be taught. Well i'd say uh, dis, dis, uh, exposure, reframing, and deliberate effort, right so in other words if i if I want to develop my courage um, i need to I need to deliberately expose myself to things that that make me afraid right because there can't be courage without fear, um, so things that deliberately make me afraid, reframe it so that I can actually accept it better um, and then and then move into it you know, and then kind of do that over and over. so I think it's those three things
1: that's interesting. How does that tie into? I know you've done. I know you've looked deeply at PTSD. I don't know if you've done work in that or worked with those people, but I'm very curious to know uh, if you're aware of like, is there a way to back people out of PTSD through a similar exposure? Like um, one of the things that I know to be true about fears, anxieties, phobias is that what you're you're not trying to get to the point where you've experienced it so much that you aren't fearful anymore. You're trying to get to the point where you're brave in the face of that fear response. And so I don't know if there's anything like that at play at PTSD. If PTSD is this whole own animal. But that seems like something has gone completely haywire. How do we use this process to back out of that?
0: Yeah, PTSD is more difficult and certainly nuanced. And so I'll, I'll, I'll speak to just a a piece of it that I can, and I know there's 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 probably a lot more, but I I know that one of the techniques for PTSD is to help someone reframe an experience. Okay, you can do that through uh, very effective uh, visualization, and we talk about very effective visualization. It means really putting yourself back into an environment, and then trying to um, in that environment reframe it from a different emotional perspective, and then you and then you begin to inoculate yourself to an extent to that old feeling and start to absorb that new feeling. That is a very difficult process. And I'm certainly not, I did, I, you know, when I was, um, when I was still in the teams, we were looking at that to a degree, but, but, um, but really it was left to the, to the professionals to really help people who were, who were hurt. Now, um, if, you, oh, go ahead. I was
1: just going to say, do you have a sense of what the attributes are that makes somebody prone to PTSD?
0: Um. So I I would say the attributes that. So I would say, um, gosh, boy, that's a really good question, and I don't want to be presumptuous here. Uh. So so if we look at the mental acuity attributes, for example, um, the mental. Uh, so they, they go uh, situation awareness, um, um compartmentalization, um task switching and learnability. Okay. So, so just to break that down for the audience, situation awareness is, is, you know, absorbing all the information that, you know, that that's coming in, which, what, what, what do I pay attention to compartmentalization is, okay, what am I, what is my goal here? What do I need to focus on? And I'm going to, I'm going to kind of block out everything else. Um, task switching is my ability to move in between or, or, or jump inside of context or two different things. And then learnability is how do I process all that stuff? Uh, seals are hyper, hyper good, compartmentalizers. <laughs> all right. So, and that's that one of just our part of this selection process that's, just takes care of that. Totally. It's, 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 it's because you can't get through SEAL training without being able to compartmentalize, being able to say, Hey, and, and not necessarily, you know, block it out and like, Hey, I'm not going to think about this, but say, Hey, what do I need to focus on in the moment? That's, that's specific to my outcome and my objective. Mm. And then, and then, and then block out everything else. Um, we are, you know, training why, you know, first of all, you can't get through training unless you're really good at that. And then, and then just your subsequent, Um, Training and of course combat really hones that in. Um, If you are too good at that, right? um, You are uh, at risk, I think, of PTSD because what happens is you're not you're 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 basically so good at saying, "Hey, I don't need to think about this. I don't need to think about this. I'm just going to focus on this." And so sometimes those things that are traumatic may not, um, if they if they come into your sphere, you're really good at saying, "Nope." that's not my focus right now and you never get to release that so so i think part of um uh part of the the kind of ptsd healing process is to be able to let that stuff back in um and then and then experience it and 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 mourn it or emote on it the way you need to because we all have to have that release that's part of the recovery you know if we if we're not if we're not able to get over the emotion of a situation we are not really truly fully recovered full recovery means i can look back at a at an event and say, "Hey, listen, I can, you know, I'm good." You know, now obviously the real, real trauma will always have a little bit of of emotion, but I'm talking about that, de- you know, debilitating emotion. You know, can we look back and say, "Okay, I look back at that honestly." And I, I, of course, I always have a little bit of emotion, but I'm not debilitated by that emotion. And that's real true recovery. But if you are really, really good at compartmentalization, you may find yourself having issues with that.
1: All right. So if we've got, in the book you outline, five sort of buckets of attributes and then there's sub-attributes, you've walked us through a couple sort of top line and then what feed into those already, Um, we've... We've got those attributes. One, I think it is worthwhile sort of quickly just to recap what the five buckets are for people Mm -hmm. so they can begin to orient themselves. And then I wanna know, get a sense of like, how flexible are we talking? Like if we're all, if it's all a scale of one to 10, let's say, if we're a two, can we go to a six? Can we go to a 10? Like how malleable are these?
0: Yeah, the five buckets are the attributes that make up grit. um, And those are uh, courage, perseverance, adaptability, and resilience. <clears throat> the attributes that make up mental acuity, which is really how our brain processes the world um, and, kind of, um, and kind of affects that. Those are situational awareness, compartmentalization, task switching, and learnability. Um, the attributes that make up drive, which is our kind of ability to kind of um, see an outcome or a goal and, and move towards it to its, to its conclusion and, and, and uh, make it happen. Those are self-efficacy, uh, discipline, open-mindedness, cunning, and narcissism. Um, the leader, the, the, attributes that make up great leadership. Um, so, and again, to what I talk about, leadership is really a behavior. It's not a position, you know, you have to, um, you don't, you don't get to self-designate as a leader. It's like, it's like saying I'm handsome or funny. You know, I don't get to decide that other people decide that. Right. So, and it's all about these behaviors. If I behave uh, like a leader, then people will then say, ooh, that person is a leader. So so those behaviors often come from attributes. The attributes are outlined in the book, because I think are the, really, in my experience, been the most essential ones for really great leadership are empathy, selflessness, authenticity, uh, decisiveness, and uh, accountability. Um, and then finally, the attributes for team ability. That's your ability to kind of uh, be a great teammate, be part of a team, because again, You don't get to self-designate as a great teammate either. (laughs) Other people have to designate you a great teammate. Um, So what are those behaviors? Those are integrity, conscientiousness, uh, humility, and humor. And then I outline uh, three others in the book that I call kind of the bi-directional, which are attributes that I found when I really put them to the test of um uh, being low was probably not necessarily that good and being higher was probably good it didn't make sense to me and so, and so those those attributes seemed like no, no matter what the polarity uh, they were actually effective for optimal performance those were patients and inpatients in other words there are very, very successful people who are patient and then there are very, very successful people who are impatient, uh, fear of rejection or insouciance to what people think. I don't care what people think. So there are very successful people who um, have a fear of, of rejection. So they, they push themselves because they don't want to look bad. Um, and then there are very uh, successful people who are like, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm just going to do my own thing. Uh, and then finally, competitiveness and non-competitiveness. So very successful people who are competitive, and there are very successful people who are non-competitive. So, so those are kind of the 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 bins. Those are the 25 really. Um, the in terms of developments, um, I would hypothesize, and I have to just hypothesize because everybody's different. But I would hypothesize that if you are, no matter where you stand on an attribute, if you are committed enough. Uh, I believe you can get um, as high as you want to be. Uh, it just takes, like I said, it takes some real work and effort. And it may not—you may not get to be unconsciously competent, right? Uh, you you may have to always think about it to really make it work. It may not—you may not get to be automatic. Um, but I think you could get pretty high on any one of them, as long as you as long as you put the work in. So speaking of the work, what do you think the role
1: of core values is in having the determination, the stick-to-itiveness, whatever the right attribute or word is for that, to actually see it through, to dial up um, an attribute? Because when I think about somebody actually making change, I think about beliefs, I think about rules, behaviors, but I think about core values a lot. Mm -hmm. And the biggest changes in my life have come when I change my core values. Um, And I once got asked, I forget by who, and they were lamenting their kid, like, you know, do you ever think they're gonna be able to get it together? They were struggling profoundly and they were very worried about their future. And, you know, they said, do you really think there's any way to help them? And I said, the answer is yes, but you're not going to like what the answer is. And the answer is, if you let me kidnap them, take them to a desert island and surround them with people. And the funny thing is, in my head, when I'm doing this desert island trick, I'm always putting people with Navy SEALs. So if you (laughs) let me take five Navy SEALs and your child and put them on the island with these guys, they will want to earn their respect they will want to be a part of the group. And the only way to do that will be to adopt their value system. And yeah. when they adopt their value system, then their behaviors are gonna fall in line. And all of a sudden, they're gonna do all the things that they have to do to toughen up, to have self-respect, you know, all of that. Yeah. And I think that will work not frequently. I think it will work every single time. Because the the what that will do to your core values just to fit in,
0: do yeah. you think I'm crazy? Does that make sense? No, it totally makes sense. In fact, I would say that... Um, that uh one of the things I've always wanted to do, and it seems like it's been like this since I was in high school, is I've always wanted to try to surround myself with people who I thought were better than me. And, and in doing so, it allowed me to really up my game. Um, and, you know, I never thought about it in terms of changing my core values. That, that's a really cool Theory that I would probably have to think about a little bit more, but I do know just on an elemental level um, this idea that I did want to fit, I did want to fit in, I did want to succeed, and so it was kind of like I just, you know, there were people you could model, and and it's almost like you know we, you know, we play a video game, and you know you start at level one, and as you get better, you get to level, you know, whatever fifteen, okay, uh, and then suddenly you die, and you have to go back to level one, and level one seems easy, okay, and it's because you've just gotten used to you've gotten used to the pace and the speed of level 15. And I think that's what putting yourself around people who are better than you. Um, and I say better, I mean, you could, you could define that in any word. I mean, people who humble you make you feel like, Oh my gosh, I got to step up my game. Um, and I tell you, Tom, I, that happens to me all the time. It still, it still happens to me. I mean, every, I mean, I, I, I'm constantly looking at places and people saying, okay, I'm just, I'm throwing myself into this thing. I don't know a lot about. And I look around me. I'm like, man, these people know so much more than me. They're better than me. Even when I was still in the teams, it was happening all the time. And whenever I feel that way, I get excited because I know I say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to get better. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to step up. Um, and so I think it's a really, uh, powerful tool and technique. And, um, and yeah, if it if it happens to, I I'd have to really think about if it changed my values or did did it just kind of or did it maybe take my values and and allow me to amplify the ones I hadn't been um, hadn't been using. Uh, maybe I would say should, you're
1: probably yeah. at a point where your value system is already so constructive that yeah. you probably don't need a shift of core values. That example, the the desert island example, is yeah. about somebody whose core values are so. Um, disturbed. They're so ineffective that, um, it, that's the core change that they need. But I don't think anybody is beyond sort of getting their head around a set of values, beliefs, um, identity statements that will point them in the right direction. But I'm not surprised that you sort of can feel maybe there's value in there somewhere, but that's not exactly what's happening to you anymore. Um, that's really interesting to me. I, when you were going through that and I was like, is he about to say that he gets excited Is he, when you, you know, meet people that know so much more than you or are you daunted by that? Um, that, to me, is a pretty big litmus test for whether people are going to struggle in life or not. Mm-hmm. Um, because if when you're the sort of lowest on the totem pole, you realize this is a huge world and you get excited about, whoa, I can add to my potential, I can grow... Obviously, that's going back to um, Carol Dweck's book, Mindset. She talks about people that meet a challenge with excitement, they're going to do a lot better than somebody who meets that challenge with apprehension. Um, Are there other little markers like that? Like you, given your time in the SEALs, given that you spent a lot of time helping the SEALs develop training to identify who is going to work, and obviously the book attributes are sort of born of your analysis of what makes some people succeed and some not. Are there like core attributes that, I'll lump into something like the universal attributes of success. Like, is there a small yeah. cocktail of things that we should all go like, Hey, these five and get good at these.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, and so again, a great question. I think, uh, you know, the, it, you know, there are so many different um, genres inside one inside of which one can be successful. And I think one of the, one of the first things to remember, it's one of my, it's one of my favorite Einstein quotes is that uh, it goes something like um you can, um, you know, everybody's a genius, but if you ask a fish to climb a tree, um, he'll spend his entire life thinking he's an idiot. Uh, and this speaks to this idea that we all have lanes that we uh, probably excel in. You know, we just have to find those lanes. So in, in lieu of that, I would say one of the, I think one of the most important success attributes is open-mindedness. And because open-mindedness also breeds curiosity. Um, and if we are open-minded and curious, um, we are generally um in a great position to find those lanes inside of which we will excel you know i'll be honest with you there is nothing about my attribute list that would allow me to excel um, on a football field or you know in a on a basketball court or um in the you know in the in the medical on a medical team as a surgeon okay it just those aren't my lanes um but the but the curiosity and the discovery process allowed me to find my lanes, and i think if uh if people if people have open mindedness and curiosity first um they're in a great position, so that's one. I think courage is a is a key one because our ability to step into fear right so so the the fascinating thing about courage is that is that is that it courage could not exist without fear and fear is really the combination of two things. It's a combination of uncertainty and anxiety. Um, you can have either one of those components on their own and you're not going to have fear right So you can be anxious um, but not uncertain. that's like I'm nervous about the presentation I have to give in front of the boss you know next you know next Wednesday or whatever that's you know I'm, I'm anxious but I'm, I, I have to give a presentation. I know the presentation I'm just I you know, just anxious right so, so and there's no fear there. You can have uncertainty without anxiety that, well, that's every kid on Christmas Eve, right? So, um, but when you combine the two, you create fear. Now, when, when fear starts to show up, um, you know, we, we've all learned about the fight flight. you know, the autonomic response, the amygdala kind of kicks in. And what happens is we're, we're left with these two choices. Do we, do we fight, which is move into the fear or do we, uh, flight, do we retreat from the fear freeze? You know, it turns out is really just an oscillation, you know, between the two. So it's really those two. Um, if you choose to step into your fear, a, a, a specific a specific switch in your brain gets clicked, right? Um, and when when that happens, you get a dopamine reward, right? Which means which means we get a flood of hey, this feels good to step into this fear. Um, now, this doesn't mean we've reached our goal. It doesn't mean we've, we're complete with it. It means every time we take a step, uh, we're getting this dopamine reward. So, so I think <clears throat> those people who have who are higher on the courage scale tend to step into that fear excuse me <clears throat> tend to step into that fear a little bit more often than someone who's a little less and they understand they feel that they feel that excitement they feel that that pleasure of doing that of taking those steps so i think courage and open-mindedness um and i if i were to pick if, if just keep it at threes because i think three is good if i were to pick a third i would say um i would say humility is one as well because humility uh, allows us to kind of understand that um, we're we're always learning. You know, there's always something to there's always something more we can learn. We're never we're never the best. It it, ke- it keeps us out of that that kind of the blinding arrogance uh, uh, zone. And so I, so I think I think um, that humility is what allowed me, for example, to to be around my peers and be like, man these guys are just awesome I need to step up my game you know or even getting out of the Navy and I started working with a leadership institute and I started you know speaking in front of crowds and teaching and I was I thought abysmal compared to these you know, the people I was working with I mean these people are awesome I need to step up my game so so that humi- humility allows for us to continue to to progress So I, those, those are the three I'd pick we could you and I could probably dissect uh, several more but I think those are real important.
1: man. it's it's really incredible um, the way that you've bucketed this out into attributes to give people a roadmap for ways that they can shape their own lives to do, you know, whatever it is that they want to do to work backwards and say, okay this thing I want to do, what attributes does it take? And then to, you know, give them that path to go out and do it uh, is incredible. As somebody who spends almost all of my waking hours trying to figure out ways to help myself and other people Develop themselves so that they can accomplish the things that they want. Man, uh, the book is a pretty incredible roadmap. Where can people get the book? The insider scoop. Follow you online. Like, what's the what's the way?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so dot com is uh, you can learn all about the book. You can get the book. Um, you, I, I'm on. I have Instagram, so you can find my Instagram on there. Um, you know, Rich Davidi uh, Instagram, and then the attributes on Instagram um, and LinkedIn. Um, the cool thing about the website is that we also offer a free assessment tool. So you can go to the website and you can take an assessment that tells you uh, you can take grit uh, mental acuity where we should have drive drive should be up uh, you know, now as well. Um, but uh, grit mental acuity drive and you can take an assessment and it tells you it'll it'll give you some scores as to where you fall on each of these attributes. Now the, the caveat to that is that it's going to be a snapshot, right? What we did is we, we set up these questions, we polled, about a thousand people globally, so we have about a thousand people's worth of data. So when you get that result, if you're like a a six on adaptability, that six is as compared to a thousand people. So if someone has to get those scores and then really do some self-reflection and say, okay, does that what does that mean for me? Does that fit, put that in experience? But you can at least get a snapshot of where you stand on the attributes, um, and then there are also some some workbooks that you can get that allow you if you want to develop an attribute some some guided it guides you on how to develop each attribute so so they can get all that on the website and and check it out but uh uh but yeah i certainly appreciate the the kind words and the support
1: no man for sure and i highly recommend that people do that and thank you for taking the time to write this stuff out obviously hard one knowledge so uh that you share it and make it easy for others um is really pretty extraordinary guys speaking of things that are extraordinary if you haven't already be sure to subscribe And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.